starting off hot on this episode with some Arthur news you can use. It's uh, it's very rare that we actually get to be like kind of a, like a, a um, what am I trying to say here? Like a, a, a hip and happening podcast to kind of um, we're with it. We're with the times and we can actually tell you something that is going to be happening uh, within a seven day period of this episode coming out. Whoa. Um, we are in the midst of new Arthur episodes. Season 24 is going to be debuting on PBS Kids uh, March 8th, 9th, and 10th. So that will be this coming Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So look out for the newest episodes of Arthur coming your way uh, this Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And you heard it from Elwood City Limits. Maybe not first, but you did hear it from us, and that's the important part. Arthur News Update. What do you hope they tackle in Season 24, Will? Well, we already know that uh, they are going to be doing a remake of an episode we haven't covered yet called The Great McGrady. And I do know that there's also going to be there is going to be a George focused episode. I kind of I subscribe to Arthur on YouTube, so I kind of get those little clips of like what's to come. So other than that, I don't know. I just hope they hope they keep it fun and uh, maybe have some cool guest stars or something. Yeah, I don't know what I'd like to see. What else could these, you know, third graders go through? Uh, we often so criticize the uh, Arthur writers for uh, treading the same ground, but now that I'm like tasked with thinking up an Arthur plot myself, I'm like, oh, geez, well, what they did podcasting, uh, it's a little too uh, much to ask them to do something on the novel coronavirus quite yet because they wouldn't have been animating these or maybe they would have. Who knows? I guess we'll see. Uh, but yeah, exciting stuff. Will, nevertheless. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's, um, it's we i mean we're talking today about plagiarism so there's almost <laughs> no facet of life as a child that arthur doesn't cover here on elwood city limits it's the episodic arthur podcast my name's will young and my co-host is lucas mancini speaking of news also i ran across an article that it was written for thebrag.com and the article is called Inside the Arthur Ayahuasca Ceremony when the theme song's writers was worshipped by millennials. Wait a minute. Okay. Now you first you had my attention, now you have my interest. So if you could sum up briefly what was happening during this Arthur Ayahuasca ceremony. So uh, so uh, writer Connor Lockery uh, had an interview with the composer of the Arthur theme song. Um, I'm just scrolling through to try and get their name. Jerry DeVillers Jr. Okay, one so of the, not, one of the not, two one of the two writers of the Arthur theme song. Not the performer of the Arthur theme song, but the the person who you know behind the scenes who wrote it. That's right. Yeah. So he got kind of hooked up with Cinar, which is the f- which is the first kind of production house where Arthur was made, and he was uh, he was tasked to compose it. And he kind of you know it's just kind of detailing how this sort of thing works. the The whole article is very interesting. It's a lot about his other work in entertainment as well, but kind of sending the uh, theme song over to Ziggy Marley and it getting composed, and then the ayahuasca comes in. Um, I believe there is a story later on in the article where he talks about how he went to an ayahuasca ceremony um, and 
people kind of they didn't recognize him but they were you know they were singing the arthur theme song it was kind of just like a wow i can't believe that it actually like went this far like to like in a completely different culture than mine they know something that i uh, that I wrote. Yes. Okay. I'll quote directly from the article here. Um, another big realizing moment was when I traveled to Peru to take part in an ayahuasca ceremony in 2013. There were many younger people, millennials mostly, that completely freaked out when I told them that I had made the Arthur theme song. They were absolutely floored and kept repeating how I changed their childhood and it brought them so much joy with this anthem. This again opened my eyes to the power that the song had and how it really touched people's hearts and held a profound place in their memory. So, uh, yeah, I will put that up i will put that up as a link probably this weekend on our social media it's a really interesting read and it's always i always appreciate we talk about how some of you know there's these unsung heroes of children's television including the people who write the theme songs the people who do the voices the people who do the animation and it's really nice that they can also be not just financially rewarded for their time but also kind of spiritually rewarded by having their work um go even farther than perhaps they even thought it would no, that's really interesting. That's fascinating. That's very cool. Though I will admit, I am a little disappointed that it wasn't an article about people playing the Arthur theme song during their ayahuasca ceremony and then getting, you know, visited by the ghosts of all their dead relatives, but in the form of like Francine Frensky or something. I mean, if you really wanted to, Lucas, you could probably do that yourself. <laughs> I, I'm good. I think I think I think I'm good on all that on, you know, flying to Peru to like puke my guts out for eight hours. But I see the appeal. Uh, just not anytime soon. Maybe when this whole coronavirus situation gets uh, figured out. <laughs> maybe we'll have to maybe put that put that in the perhaps pile. Um, okay. Well, as we the couple of Arthur news bits to start off there with. Again, that's Connor Lockery who wrote that uh, article. Very good interview with Jerry Devillers Jr., one of the two writers of the Arthur theme song. And now, speaking of writing, we will go over to the emails that have been written for us at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com, which is where you can send your feedback to the show, and we may just read it on the air. We are our first one. In fact, we have a couple of new kind of first time emailers, and I'm always happy for that and happy to hear from the people who have sent us uh, dozens of emails at this point. Uh, but this one is from a newcomer, Casey Cosmos, who says hello to Will and Lucas and reluctantly Mike. I finally more or less caught up with the show now. I'm on the episode where you read my first email, and I want to clarify in the episode where Buster goes on vacation, I got genuinely misty eyed because of the episode. It has, of course, been two months since I listened to that podcast episode. So I don't remember the specifics, but I think you either talked about friends leaving or just saying things about Buster's and Arthur's friendship together that made me cry over a fictional cartoon rabbit leaving town for two months. I've loved the show and I'm excited to explore some of that sweet Patreon content very soon. Thank you for all you do. That's from Casey. Well, thank you, Casey. And thank you, Casey. I, I, I also listened to the episode myself and I was like, well, yeah, we didn't. Uh, strangely, I didn't I didn't start crying myself. So uh, uh, it certainly wasn't anything sympathetic on your end. Uh, another new emailer, Ash, sent us this one. Hi, y'all. I'd been kicking around the idea of writing to the Elwood City Limits podcast for a while now. Uh, I thought now might be a good time to reach out. Uh, podcast one of the highlights of my week, especially during COVID times. I found the podcast in the middle of rewatching Arthur myself, and I really enjoy being able to go and listen to your thoughts after watching. I'm glad to see I'm not the only millennial who looks back fondly on the show and still tunes in. 
Uh, now, second, I know y'all are anime fans, so I thought you might be interested in a quick recommendation. There's a new anime airing this season called Skate the Infinity <laughs> that follows competitive skateboarders, and one of the main characters is half Canadian and used to snowboard before moving to Japan. Since Lucas mentioned trying snowboarding during a recent trip and skateboarding prior to that, I thought you might be interested in the show. The characters are fun to watch, and the animation is great. So, Lucas, that is SK, oh. the number eight, the Infinity. Well, I, I have been watching Skate the Infinity. It's been Ooh. a part of our regular um, anime club rotation. And let me tell you, it is fantastic. It's from the um, the writer of uh, uh, shows like Banana Fish and uh, Free. And so if you're an anime fan and you know those shows, you know that it is delightfully super duper gay, which is which is also <laughs> very fun. Uh, these beautiful boys and their beautiful skateboarding. Uh, it's a lovely, lovely anime program. Um, usually in anime club, we're watching like older shows. Uh, so this has been kind of a, a fun change of play, pace to watch something uh, newer. Uh, and the listener picked my tastes to a T. It is awesome. It's a good show. That's from Ash. Good one, Ash. It turns out we're a little bit ahead of you, or at least Lucas is. Now I know about it. Uh, and our final one is from, uh, they're separated between a page, Emma. Uh, who has emailed us before. Uh, thank you for so much for reading my first email on the podcast. It made my day. I'm very excited to hear your take on Francine's pilfered paper and Buster Gets Real. These were two of my favorite episodes when I had first seen them, so I'm curious how they'll sit with you. Another ex episode I'm excited to see you cover in the future is DW Stray Net Kitten. I believe this episode is in season 12, but I'm not positive. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on the episode because it centers around DW becoming obsessed with a computer game that is based on one of my other special interests from when I was younger, webkins.com. You'll probably receive an another email from me around the time you review that episode. And that's from Emma. Web webkins.com i'm only vaguely aware of that because oh. by by the time season 12 is coming out i'm almost on high school my little sister was way 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 into webkins it um, sounds it sounds to me on on its face like um like neopets like yes it something is it's to like, that effect it's like neopets will but you had to buy a physical object yeah i remember and i remember seeing webkins in the toy aisle and just not really understanding what they were and there's like you get jewels at some point you got to get jewels or you can mm. choose to spin the wheel to get a chance at getting the legendary crown of wonder. Um, this is this is basically everything I know about Webkins. But yes, quite popular back in the day. Now I'm excited to see that episode. And I guess maybe I'll have to do a little bit of research on that before we talk about that episode. Thank you one and all for your emails. Again, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. We love hearing from each and every one of you. And of course, we also love to give a little homage, a little homage to our patrons over at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, they had the, the distinct joy of listening to Lucas and I try not to tear me try not to tear my hair out and lucas uh laughing deliriously at jj the jet plane which was our most recent yeah. episode of for the kids a pbs kids podcast which is the supplementary podcast uh that is only available on patreon one of i think my favorite episodes we've done of for the kids yet if you were gonna uh you know uh get into the patreon at any time now would be the time because oh boy was jj the jet plane ever an experience and you get access to all the other episodes of For the Kids. At this point, we are past 20, which is tw over 20 hours of content. Plus, you get access to all of our commentaries. And, of course, we might just uh, say your name here as a shout-out. We want to give a special shout-out to our new patron, Emmy the Ghost, who is our 61st 
patron, I must say. Uh, I'm also going to go to page two here to give some love to people like Stella, Froppy, and Emily Kay. There's Shander LaFave Boten, John Griswold, Teresa, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Light Relentless, Ian Collis, Leanne S., John Dulong, and I'll say Robert Morrison. Thank you, everybody, for joining up at the Patreon. We have some cool things coming your way, and we will talk about that a little bit later after we talk about this episode of Arthur. I mentioned it before. It's a little bit about plagiarism, of all things. And that's where Francine's pilfered paper is concerned. Although, we end up rewinding the clock back, so the Arthur gang is dressed in their pilgrim best in a parody of, of all things, the Scarlet Letter in the yeah. uh, in the cold open. <laughs> I was wondering, like, what this, like, I was wondering if this was, like, the Scarlet Letter or if it was, like, the Crucible or no matter what it is, you know, uh, seeing someone kind of, uh, I forget what those things are called in the town square when you have to be punished and you, you have your hands out in that, oh, in that like wooden the, thing. The, the stocks? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I was like, oh, my goodness, whatever this is parodying, I feel like it's a little adult uh, for Arthur. But <laughs> I, I, I really liked this opening, the old timey pilgrim speak. Uh, it was a it was a good setup for the episode. I was intrigued. And also Lots we got of, Pal wearing his his pilgrim hat and little pilgrim shoes Lots of these, lots of thous, uh, and lots of referring to other characters as good master. Um, we also get we also get like Mr. Ratburn is like the the school headmaster or something like that. And Francine is in the stocks with the Scarlet Letter. Uh, for what reason we are not sure. Speaking of Ratburn, uh, he sounds awesome when you like give him old English to say. I know it's not old English, but like when you give him the stereotypical um, old English phrases to say, it's, he fits right in. He sounds so dignified. That's uh, great work by Arthur Holden. I really liked his portrayal of like the schoolmaster Ratburn. So in the real world, after the cold open, with, again with Ratburn, this is a very Ratburn heavy episode and I'm here for it. He assigns a five page report for everybody. He specifically picked, he handpicked uh, certain topics for people to talk about the pilgrims and Thanksgiving. So everybody has to do that for the next week. Um, Brain goes, yay! After everyone's like gloating about having to uh, write this five-page report over Thanksgiving weekend. There were a couple of funny parts here, one including Brain. Uh, Brain says he was hoping for the socio-political repercussions of the Arminius-Gomerus conflict. And then Binky kind of looks at him and is just like, I got it right here. You want to trade? The <laughs> Arminius-Gomerus conflict, I did a cursory Google search. And when we're talking, when we're starting to talk about like the disagreements of Dutch theologians i was like okay i don't want to know anymore that's that's fine <laughs> yeah I, uh, this was this was something you know full disclosure if this is your first time listening to the show me and will are canadian um yeah. and so i i will i don't want to speak for you but i know very little about the pilgrims uh, everything i do is from cartoons like this or just other pop culture um or whatever i had to, like yeah reading the crucible or the scarlet letter or watching the vavitch uh, uh yeah. but yeah i was not familiar with with this conflict I'm glad that you Googled it, too. Well, right. And especially because this is a Thanksgiving episode, we Canadians celebrate Thanksgiving in October. We don't really 
we don't really tie it to anything. It's just kind of like our version of Thanksgiving. It's just, you know, ha- it's basically just Turkey Day. And I know that that is essentially what it is for people in uh, America in November. But I know that there's also the kind of the the lore, I guess I'll say, of the, pilg- <laughs> the, the, pilg- the pilgrims and the natives and whatnot and, yeah. the, and the, the buckled hats and everything. Yeah. That's, don't don't the- watch the anime if you haven't read the Thanksgiving manga. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, another great line is that Francine gets assigned, you know, like the eating habits of the pilgrims and she just goes, great. Five pages about yams. That's really interesting. Yeah. Some running uh, yam based humor. Uh, Muffy laments. And this was actually, this was Muffy telling on herself a little bit because uh, she has to write about the fashion of the time, which actually, yeah. you know, good. This is the mark of a good teacher, by the way, is Mr. Rapper and mm-hmm. kind of trying to customize, um, these reports to kind of the interests of each student. Like he picked that conflict probably because Binky loves like wrestling and conflict and stuff like that. And, you know, he knows that Buffy's like stylish. Buffy might be interested in talking about the clothes of the time, uh, which is the mark of a good teacher, an attentive teacher. But yeah, I digress. Buffy goes, uh, fashion, what fashion? They all wore black, which uh, Buffy should know, you know, that that is couture. You know what I mean? You could, you could put some uh, great all black outfits together. But was it couture in like 2006? Black oh. might be making a comeback now, but mm, mm. you know, mid 2000s. I don't Who know knows? what kind of fashion we were. T- the, we yeah. were still getting over the whole chrome thing of the early 2000s. We'd have to check in with Alexander Wang and and see what he thinks of you know the pilgrims and their their big hats and belt buckles. <laughs> well, he's welcome on the show anytime. Uh, Brainbuster and Francine are doing research in the library. Francine's lamenting that she has to take out so many books uh, that she's that she can feel her back straining. She may have to take off of sports for the rest of the year. So Brain introduces Buster and Francine to the wonder of search engines which would have been just about getting some play in classrooms around this time so they use the uh unaffiliated totally real uh search engine woohoo.com mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah not to be confused with the search engine yahoo and not to be confused with the american chocolate drink woohoo uh it, it is a you, totally Yoo-hoo. Excuse me. Yoo-hoo. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Will. We couldn't have that uh, uh, stand. But uh, yeah, woohoo. Um, and then Brain teaches them the, like, you know, a Google Foo technique that I know people my age still don't know about, uh, right. which is that if you want a more precise search, you put things in quotations. I was lucky enough to learn this in computer lab in junior high, which was right around the time when you were, like, teaching computer and internet literacy to children which now i would say is incredibly important um and this is an interesting way it's, it's just funny to see how far arthur has come you know like now we're talking about like here's how to use a search engine here's what you do and da, da, da. Yeah. make sure make sure you make sure like not everything online is going to be true so make sure that you vet it with an actual source as well it seems like not that many seasons ago where mr rapper was literally like learning that message boards were a thing yeah, chat rooms and all that. And it's just like by the mid-2000s, I feel like chat rooms were on their way out a little bit, and they're certainly not really in vogue now. Um, what I was also completely floored by was we cut to Francine using the internet at home. She's got the internet and a printer in her room. We sometimes talk about the fact that, you know, um, Francine is typically meant meant to represent pe- uh, people of like a bit of a lower um, income economic, status as yeah, a, yeah. economic status as a family, but man, she's got a she's got like a nice looking iMac or iMac looking computer, and she's got a printer in her room. Yeah, who knows? And you know what they say though, Will? It's not the printer that's expensive; it's the ink. 
Um, that's true. That's maybe true. There's all perhaps you know the family just thought our education was important that they get a uh, save the money away for a printer or and a computer or maybe um, Oliver Fritzky uh, got it from the junkyard. Who knows? Could be. It also could be the family computer that for some reason is in Francine's room, but whatever. Uh, and Catherine later on has a laptop, which I was also surprised by. That's pretty cool. Although, I don't know, it could be that Catherine might have like a part time job or something and paid for it herself. Who knows? Uh, so Francine, you know, is using the search engine to find um, all the things she needs to find about her report. And then she copies and pastes it into a Word document just full-on plagiarizes her report off the internet and passes it in way early to the oh, to the shock goodness. of everybody in the class. This was crazy, because it's like, plagiarizing's one thing, but Francine's out here making it hot for herself, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Francine is basically, uh, uh, this is like if you're um, getting dirty money, and then you go out and buy like a Lamborghini or something. Uh, you're just like daring the IRS to pay attention to you. Um, and in the same way, Francine is uh, uh, passing in this full five-page report the day after it was assigned early uh, when there was no need to. Um, and even, and like, this isn't just like, oh, something she would usually do. Everybody in the class is shocked. They're they're like, are you a robot? Oh, Francine, you wrote so quickly. Mr. Rappard's even like commenting on it. I was like, this is a nightmare. What uh, I found interesting was that Ratburn was commenting on the fact that Francine's report was typewritten, which reminds me of there was a I can remember a particular time in my schooling. I think it was around maybe like grade six and going into junior high uh, here here in eastern Canada. Um Elementary school is primary to six. Junior high is grade seven to grade nine. And uh, high school is grade 10 to grade 12. Um, you know, I, re- I can remember distinctly in grade six writing out reports longhand. Oh, yeah. And it re- was great because your th- your hand font, your your handwriting <laughs> is like massive. That stuff is like size, not even size 24. It's like size 26 double space. It's awesome. But it's incredibly tiring on your hand, and I. But but I remember being so used to it that by the time the option was open to me to type to type up a report instead of running it longhand, I resisted that for a long time. And now that I type up things for a living, I'm just like, how did I ever do any? If I do like a couple of lines longhand now, my hand starts to cramp, which is mm. aging, sure. But it's also just like I can't believe I stuck around a longhand that often so mr ratburn commenting that it was typewritten is is just like oh yeah i guess that would kind of be a little bit of a new thing so francine's done incredibly quickly and we get a little montage of everybody trying to uh get their report done quickly uh my favorite was buster trying the old size 64 font trick and like you said in longhand you can just kind of almost get away with everything so he's basically got like 10 words on his first page and maybe like 50 words in total of the report and just in his mom being like yeah you can't really do that uh and we see also pal uh deletes arthur's entire report so he has to start over from the beginning um but all the while francine is completely pleased about how everything went and she talks about how she just basically copied and pasted the whole thing to Catherine, and then Catherine has to be the one to tell her about plagiarism and what exactly that means so and of course anybody who's not familiar i know we have a lot of people who are either in school or in university or teachers in some case but just in case you don't know plagiarism is of course uh stealing ideas wholesale that you didn't think of and especially it is essentially what francine's doing in this episode it's copying and pasting ideas into a report 
and uh, passing them off as your own. Yes, which not, the not further citing along, your source, yes. The further along you go in school, uh, the more strict the penalty is for this. So here in elementary school, I, I mean, I wrote here, I this is introducing the concept of plagiarism way before I learned it. I think I got to it in like junior high maybe because that was around the time where you're starting to get like essays as homework and then you had to kind of mm. introduce the idea of plagiarism and then as you get as i went to high school uh plagiarism was like an automatic zero and then when you get into university and college plagiarism is like you're they basically will if they if they have a good enough case they'll kick you out of the program it's really serious especially i was in an english program which was involved a lot of writing so plagiarism was really frowned upon mm. as it should be it's a really it's a really it's a really crappy thing to do well, unless you, you know, you find the assignment in another language and then you machine translate it and then you fix all the spelling mistakes and then, you know, you don't got a tail. There's no way to Google. You see if you if you plagiarized, you're off home free. No, I'm joking. Well, am I? I, I mean, it's good advice. I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't I, know if I quite appreciate that the that the show that's focused on literacy, Lucas, uh, that the podcast about the show focused on literacy is advocating ways to hey, plagiarize effectively. There, there's a reason why this is a podcast and not a newsletter letter but uh um uh no yeah i i i must admit i don't think i've ever plagiarized per se um i remember you know in grade six when you first are starting to write those essays it's hard to kind of wrap your head around like okay i need to like use this material and put it in my own words but it's not just about like putting it in your own words and, and, and summarizing it, you actually have to kind of retain the information and then structure a different idea using the information. And I think back in the day, like in the grade six and stuff, it was more so I was like, oh, I'm just going to rewrite this sentence and it's technically not plagiarism. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, no, not really ever plagiarized. I've definitely written book reports about books I've never read, but uh, plagiarism, oh, not sure. so much. we've all done that. We've all done that. That's a, and you can do that well at a university. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Catherine explains to Francine, because Catherine's probably, I don't know if Catherine's in high school or in college, but she's probably knee deep. I think people, high school. So pe- yeah, she's probably heard it before. People giving her plagiarism warnings. Uh, by, by the way, fit check on both Francine and Catherine. Catherine's got this like... Uh, um, this this uh, heavy like fisherman's turtleneck, but it's like off pink or like periwinkle with kind of like right. a little argyle pattern. Very cool. And then Francine has got like this little like Peter Pan collar and she's matching her red shoes to her red top. Very cute outfit from Francine that I'm not sure we've seen before. So fun alt alt outfits for this conversation about uh, plagiarism. There's some very warm fits throughout this episode because it's a fall uh, mm-hmm. centered mm-hmm. episode. So there's a lot of sweaters and a lot of everybody looking real cozy. Um, so Francine is very worried about this and she decides that she has got to uh, to just tell rapper in the truth and uh, come clean about it now so that the consequences because Catherine's like you could like you could get a zero. on You could get an F or you could get suspended. So Francine just needs to go over to Rapper's place and. Um, and uh, set things right before she does though she's she's incredibly guilty about this whole thing and she has she's having thanksgiving dinner with her extended family who i really wish that we got to see more of the little the little that we've seen of them in like arthur's perfect christmas and here uh they seem like a wonderful jewish family and i want and i want to hear more from them they're talking a lot about how like oh yeah oh yeah when i was little i i i stole an apple from from a cart and i got in so much trouble and <laughs> oliver frensky v like hey frankie you're usually stealing food off my plate by now she's like no i wouldn't i would never steal 
And yeah. it's the guilt. It's the guilt getting to her. Yeah, exactly. She's starting to be feel have like this Edgar Allan Poe style guilty conscience about the whole thing. Um, so she goes to Mr. Ratburn to kind of come clean. And then this I loved. Mr. Ratburn is pulling a me, uh, and he's watching a, f- they call it Ben Kern, but it's fake Ken Burns. Uh, oh, I didn't doc- catch that. Yeah, yeah, a Ben, a nine-hour Ben Kern documentary about the history of dentistry, which is, of course, a parody of, and it would make sense, because he was, you know, on PBS, uh, those, like, 14-hour uh Ken Burns documentaries about jazz or baseball or the Civil War and so on and so forth, right? Uh, yeah, which, which I really really enjoy. Uh, but much like Mister Ra- Mister Rapper here, I think the joke is supposed to be he's so boring and such like an academic uh, that you know this is how he unwinds uh, is is watching this nine hour d- dentistry documentary. Uh, he goes fascinating I, stuff. Um, I definitely I definitely think it's some it's an easier sell right now than it was back then of just like I, I, I there's a way that you could sell me on watching like a nine hour dentistry documentary if it was oh my god it was interesting enough I mean you know I've seen OJ made in America and that's like a million hours long and imagine I what, was hooked the whole way through imagine what dentistry was like in the middle ages there's just pulling sure. teeth, teeth that I guess there wasn't any there's lots to learn <laughs> um, there's so there's so many different advancements that you could that you could talk about that are probably really interesting yeah a whole uh, episode so about yeah. grills Ooh. Uh so Francine uh ends up getting her paper back. She go she is about to tell Mr. Ratburn about it, but Mr. Ratburn hands her back the marked paper and she got an A minus. Uh so Francine is not so incentivized to tell him the truth, but instead her her guilty conscience continues to eat away at her in a dream sequence that was quite interesting. Uh it's a dream where Francine is selling her book like her 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 third grade essay about Pilgrim's secret recipes were made into a book. Um, there's a few details about this that I yes. really enjoyed. Yes. First of all, it's Francine. It's Francine and her publicist Muffy when they are. I'm gonna say probably late twenties, probably even early thirties, or even older. And Francine's like a grown woman who has like this not just this successful book. They're at a book launch, but we also cut to what looks to be a plagiarism sweatshop. Yeah, as- the plagiarism factory, which I wrote down. I didn't know that Francine started BuzzFeed. Because all these people are going copy. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, uh, cut, copy, paste. It's like the the offices at F. Jerry or something. We have this (laughs) copy, paste, copy, paste. Um, Um, Yeah. So and and these just these drones constantly plagiarizing Francine's work. Um, And so as she's signing autographs of her book, who comes up into her line, but the original author of the article that Francine initially stole from, who is dressed now like the Phantom of the Opera. And there's the joke where he has kind of the half mask and Muffy says something to the effect of like, oh, no, did the you know, did the horror of having your ideas stolen and you not giving credit drive you to madness? And he's like, no, I just have very sensitive skin. And he wrote a competing book that exposes Francine as a plagiarist. As the dream ends, Francine is like covering her face and be like, no, I didn't know that it was wrong. No, this part, part, Francine, you're like 35. How do you not know this? This part is excellent because um, I do. You, did you recognize the voice actor for the the other author that Francine had plagiarized? Because it wasn't do you know like. What I, 
Bruce I didn't look it up. It wasn't Bruce Didsmore, I think. I couldn't tell who it was if it was one of the regular uh, voice actors because it was a really cool, distinct voice. Like I've been, uh, I've been watching Spawn again, uh, uh, Will. So I've <laughs> been, I've, I've been thinking a lot about like Keith David and Keith David's voice acting. And I'm not saying this sounded like Keith David per se, but it had the same kind of very performative projecting. I mean, it makes sense for Phantom of the Opera kind of uh, tortured quality uh, to to Keith David's voice in Spawn. And so I, I thought the voice work was very distinct um and uh like there's this great moment where he she's like who should i make it out to she's doing the book signing and he's like the victim of your heinous crimes and she's like dear victim of my heinous and then like she doesn't quite realize until she's halfway through the sentence so i i I thought this dream sequence was very funny and it really worked yeah, very imaginative as well. Uh, I, th- I think the 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 plagiarism sweatshop really added something to yes. it, and I I think that was kind of the the cherry on top for me. So I really appreciate that. Uh, no, to answer your question, I don't know who did the voice for that. I find that for a lot of these Arthur episodes, the IMDb information is uh, is incomplete. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who would have who would have done it. If anybody knows, uh, please let me know. Um, so Francine awakens and realizes that she has to do the right thing. So she goes into school the next day before class starts and she comes clean to Ratburn, who is initially quite disappointed in her. And he and he kind of hammers home the message of like it's so there are there are two wrongs you commit when you plagiarize. The first is that the person who wrote the original content doesn't get the credit they deserve. And you cheat yourself out of actually learning what you were supposed to have learned. So Francine turns in a different paper that she wrote herself and uh, for that to be marked instead. Um and the end of the episode is everybody's paper being marked. Uh, Ratburn makes a comment to Muffy about hers. He says, your reference to embroidery as Pilgrim Bling mm. felt inappropriate, which is like, oh, they said bling on an Arthur show. It's like both dated and also like, oh, that feels weird for this show to say that word. Uh, he also, apparently Binky did think that the original conflict he was assigned, uh, were wrestlers and not like theologians as Ratburn says. And in the end, Francine's paper gets a B, but she is very happy because it's her B. It's not based on anybody else's work. It's all on hers. So I think that it sent the right message about plagiarism. I just wonder if like, you know, Arthur has a fairly young, um, typically a fairly young audience or at least that's what it's aiming for i wonder if just the idea of plagiarism might have just flown over a couple of kids heads i don't know i I don't think so i mean i'm I'm really trying to rack my brain now like when did we start having to like write things in school you know and beyond like oh what did i do on my summer vacation and i feel like grade three might be when we get into like the really remedial book reports well remedial is not the right word but the 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 really basic book reports and really basic like like just starting to do quote-unquote english homework um so i i definitely had kind of I mean, my mom, you know, has a degree in library science, so I knew what plagiarism was very, 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 very young. Uh, But uh, I don't know. Maybe this is when kids start learning in school. And even not, um, I I think this is a good enough time to introduce it to them. And they definitely go over the basics. Um, Even then, so in in this episode, they're talking about putting your search terms in quotations so you can find it easier. So I I, I think that... uh, uh, I, I think this episode explains what plagiar- plagiarism is easy enough that even if you were in the intended audience, it would it wouldn't go over your head. 
Well, leave it to Arthur to not necessarily talk down to its audience. You always appreciate that. Well, from plagiarism, we're going to be moving on to hmm, an aspect of life in the 2000s that I didn't think we would necessarily be talking about uh, right after this. Hey, everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast. And if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You could go to Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits at ECL podcast. That's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr. It's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand-new bi-weekly PBS Kids Review show, as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review, you can check out patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. Uh, And that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post in from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. You can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. Buster Gets Real is about reality television. And it's almost like we were bound to do this at some point, but it is also undoubtedly a little strange. Um, Arthur starts off the cold open here, essentially his thesis, the thesis of the episode. If we're talking in terms of writing reports and essays and stuff like that, the cold open is the thesis of the episode. So Arthur is talking about how it's, uh, you know, when it comes to your family, they often don't like the same things that you do when you're a kid. But that's what best friends are for. So Arthur, you know, wants his family to engage with Bionic Bunny in one way or another, either going on a roller coaster ride or maybe reading the comic. But his parents aren't interested in that. But Buster, of course, is Bionic Bunny crazy. So that's how he and Arthur relate to one another. And this is all framed around the popular reality show in the Arthur universe called Top Supermarket clerk that's right well you're burying the lead here which is that the very very first thing we see in this episode and i didn't realize i didn't put two and two together that the buster the episode's called buster gets real is like the intro for top supermarket clerk where Mm -hmm. we're introduced to our our rogues gallery of supermarket clerks you know your benjamins your your dominics uh lucy jeff jeff yeah the whole gang everybody's got their favorite and um seeing this with like zero context this is the very first thing you see in the episode their names are all flying up i was like what is this like is this a parody (laughs) of something specific because it's not really clear at the start that it is a reality show i was like is this some sort of sitcom about a supermarket yeah it almost looks like superstore yeah the nbc sitcom superstore Mm-hmm. But but it is a reality show, and and, 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 uh, and they don't really describe what the competition is, and so I'm like, is this like supermarket sweep, like the the Guy Fieri show, or or what is the or or guys grocery games is what I'm thinking of. Supermarket sweep actually predates Guy Fieri, but um, it's none of those things. It's sort of like I think a rip on Top Chef. 
Like, it's like kind of that type of show where it's like, whereas Top Chef is like a cooking competition style with the one-on-one camera interviews and, and challenges and stuff like that. Um, uh, Top Supermarket Clerk seems to be like a synthesis of Top Chef and then just like the real world. Yeah, that's what I was kind of taking for. But you're right that there is kind of a voting off mm-hmm. um method to you, you it get so checked out if you don't perform out yeah the, the worst the worst clerk of the week gets checked out by the judges mm-hmm. uh so everybody in the reed household loves this including dw and kate and arthur just completely doesn't get it he does not like it at all so ooh, the episode ooh, wait, wait, itself, before we yes. go forward before we go yeah, forward yeah. well what is your favorite reality show i have to know oh favorite reality show Oh man, that's a great question. I, so I, I'll, I'll pivot because I don't have an answer off the top of my head. I'll pivot by saying that I found it very interesting that Arthur is decidedly not interested in reality TV. When I was Arthur's age, reality TV it wasn't beginning, but it was beginning to popularize. So my parent, my family, and I we love we were all in on Survivor. I we knew, watched the first I three knew seasons you were going to say Survivor. I get a Survivor vibe from uh, uh, from now, yourself and now, your family. Now, look, as I haven't watched Survivor in since I was like twelve yes. years old or yes. whatever, but yes we watched the first survivor we were captivated by it and then after that after survivor it was american and canadian idol mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and the, other the amazing race oh you ever watch the amazing race i was big in my household no i was never i was never being into the amazing race like there's like there's a bunch of reality shows that i just haven't watched i'll tell you what i'm watching what i tend to be watching now i'll um watch episodes of kitchen nightmares ah, sometimes ah. kitchen nightmares is kind of trashy but ve- but very addictive Thoughts addictive on, to watch uh, total divas will were you ever a, a big total divas guy never really watched it to yeah. be honest with you yeah. it's it, it just yeah. again like reality shows don't really int- like if i'm going out of my way to watch reality shows these days i'm not really into it mm-hmm. if it's on the tv oh lucas i'll tell you which one i really like these days oh, bar yes. rescue oh john taffer you like john taffer talking about like this place is ridiculous you guys yes. don't know what you're doing that's a that's a i think, I think that's, that's a choice that's the type of reality show I like is that you f- you find people doing a really bad job, you get somebody to yell at them, and then you fix their mistake for mm-hmm. them. I don't know. I just it just really works for me now. But that's kind of my my kind of potted history with uh, reality shows. I'll tell you another. I'll tell you one more that I really liked when I was a kid, and this was during you know when Survivor was popular, and you know the real world had already happened, and they were just the the television sh- uh, channels, especially like Fox, were just realizing that this is really cheap. Uh, programming to make and it will guarantee to get good ratings there is a very obscure they only did this for one season and it was played in the summer oh it was I, called, I, I i think i know what you're gonna say do you really I, i'm i'm curious is it is it's it, called oh it, it, tell me what do you think it is is it is it kid nation no but the 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 videos on youtube of kid nation are hilarious and i would recommend anybody look up i think um college humor or it's it, it, it's no it's funny or die funny or die has a bunch of videos about how bonkers kid nation was no what i'm talking about is called murder in small town x it was a reality oh. slash game show where a bunch of people um have to it's basically like um what do you what do you call those um Oh, why am I blanking on this? You know, the the, the, the murder mystery game. The oh, adults, done it? Like, yeah, it's, it's like a murder mystery game that you would go to a party for. But they set it up in like this main town and 
they got and so every week they would have the competition and people would try and figure it out and they would hire actors to play the parts and um at the end of it two people would go into two different locations and the killer was at one of them and i remember i was captivated by the show when i was a kid because i thought it was real and i thought that you know when they get when the killer gets them you know it kind of looks like (laughs) they're being killed like like it's like a handheld camera kind of rushes up to them and it's just like oh no the killer got them it's like obviously they're fine but to me it was like oh my god they're dead. They got killed. <laughs> that That's, uh, I mean, if, if you could put yourself into that kind of headspace where you are truly believing it is reality, um, that would be the most captivating television show of all time. It's like something like Battle Royale or The Hunger Games or something, like actual snuff on Fox. No, Will, I've never heard of that before. That's, that's uh, what a find. Murder um, in Small Town yeah. X. It was, like, for that summer that it was on, it was, like, one of my favorite television shows I'd ever seen. Uh, it's very hard to find online. I did go back to it's pretty bad but (laughs) uh it holds a special place in my heart so that might be my answer uh sorry we've gotten on a track about reality shows one more thing i did watch a whole lot of the surreal life uh Uh when i was like 13 it was like a summer i had nothing better to do and much more music was playing all the seasons of the surreal life so i watched a bunch of that that i probably shouldn't have but Hey, when it's before, you know, Netflix and video games uh, and there was nothing to do, of course, I'd watched like five episodes of The Surreal Life back to back. My favorite reality show, Will, before we move on, just briefly. No, I'd love to. uh, A little show called Love Island UK. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I I am a a big fan of the old Love Island UK. I love hearing just kind of the most unintelligent British people you've ever heard in your life talk about how they're literally, um, literally, (laughs) I need a guy I can have a crack on with. Yeah, we got to have a good crack on. I'm buzzing. I think he likes us. Um, Just like it, it is, it is. Uh, it has since gotten a little bit dark uh, post coronavirus. I, I can't oh. escape to the villa the same way I, I used to be able to mentally. But you know, at the time, there's some seasons of uh, Love Island UK, will that is just absolutely captivating TV. Uh, you gotta find. You, you, they're out to find love. Uh, if you if you don't partner up with someone, you get kicked off the island. Uh, everybody's gotta sleep in the same bed. Like the, every, two people to one bed, you get partnered up you just met this person they're doing all these crazy like games where they gotta like make out with each other it's wild it is great television (laughs) um and the uk version is even better because everyone sounds ridiculous at all times (sighs) everyone is constantly talking about you know i'll have a crack on and 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 all that please please (laughs) spare me um everybody's always talking about vibes they're like oh yeah like i'm really like uh, people are like, oh, what's your value system? Like, are, you know, are you like a family person? Or are you like a faith person? And the person's the guy's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm really like a vibes based person. <laughs> <laughs> These people sound awful. They're great. It's so good. You know, you strike me. You do strike me as like a Love Island type of person. Were you into like either Flavor of Love or I oh. Love New York or anything oh. like that? Yeah. Rock, Rock of Love or whatever. Rock of the, Love. Uh, yeah. uh, Shot of Love with Tila Tequila. Um, sure. That's that seems yeah. up your alley. Flavor of Love. I don't know. I mean, we, we could talk about reality TV all day. It seems Flavor of Well, if you go back and watch that, there's it, that show was ridiculous. Um, there's like a yeah. Part I remember where, watching like, a little bit of it in the in the very first season. A woman poops on the stairs. It's crazy. Anyway, <laughs> um, 
yeah i guess there's more to that like i i so rarely get the chance to talk about reality tv so i do but it's i think for people our age there is kind of that that more that morass of like undelved information in our brains that, that we hold on to for reality TV. So it, and it was so ubiquitous at the time and to a degree it still is. Yeah, but there, like, there's still people with like their, their office bachelor pools and office bachelorette pools. Right? And there's the people who will follow big brother throughout the summer. Um, but yeah, you're sure. right. There was this, there was this, I do remember my parents too were way into survivor way back in the early two thousands. I think everyone was, it was just such a phenomenon oh, at the time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I have friends now who are into like, for like Australian Survivor or like all the other countries' versions of Survivor, they love it that much. So yeah, it's hard. It was hard to escape, and it was something that crossed over into like every age bracket. So it, I, it, I found it surprising that Arthur, like I couldn't relate to Arthur hating reality TV. It's just like it's hard not to get sucked in. It really was in a, in a sense a precursor to my wrestling fandom because reality TV and wrestling are almost the same thing. Uh, so okay, so the Arthur episode starts. With uh, Arthur being loaned a tape, supposedly of Bionic Bunny, uh, that he the a, a three part Bionic Bunny episode that he really wants to watch, uh, but everybody's monopolizing the TV for Top Supermarket Clerk, and then once it's done, he finally gets to watch it. But it turns out it's a tape of Top Supermarket Clerk, the three part uh, season premiere. Apparently, so Arthur goes to Buster's place and says, you gave me the wrong tape, but it turns out Buster did not. In fact, Buster has forsaken Bionic Bunny entirely for Top Supermarket Clerk, which is his new favorite show. He says, Bionic Bunny, that stuff's not real. I don't care about that anymore. <laughs> yeah. So to the extent where in the opening of this episode, we see Buster's room and it's almost sad. Like, I, I thought this was like almost dark. How much biotic bunny <laughs> stuff was in his room? Like he's wearing like the biotic bunny costume. He's got the covers. It's like intense, his biotic bunny fandom. And now we go to his room and he's got the top supermarket clerk, like throw rug. And he's got like top supermarket clerks, basically Funko pops. Um, yeah. And like bio of the characters up on the walls like he's sipping the kool-aid he is it he's got top clerk fever yeah and and this completely shatters arthur because as i mean i don't know if he says it out right first but arthur's still a huge fan of bionic bunny and that's kind of the main thing that he and buster apparently shared in common or at least that's how arthur feels at first so uh he can't believe that buster likes this thing it's it's almost like the reverse of kreslamania from when buster came back from his travels so arthur we have Arthur has a couple of imaginations in this episode about Bionic Bunny mm. helping him to save Buster from the brainwashing of reality TV. So he goes to presumably what is Bionic Bunny's uh, answer to the Fortress of Solitude, and which, Arthur which tells him. Which looks great, by the way. All the backgrounds in this stuff is awesome. Um, I was really, really re- impressed with, like, yeah, by Bionic Buddy's Fortress, like, all this stuff. There's, like, a great sense of scale. Like, I'm looking at this, mm. like, establishing shot of, of, of Buster next to this big Bionic Bunny door, and he looks tiny. It's like the opening of uh, uh, Return of the Jedi or something. It's great. Uh, so Bionic Bunny is dismayed that his number two fan has been brainwashed by reality TV. So they try and uh, disguise themselves as television executives to get into the uh, big building of reality TV. I, I appreciate it here. I mentioned how Arthur Holden in the previous episode, the voice of Mr. Ratburn and Bionic Bunny. 
uh, got to kind of do a bit of a uh, a different voice with Ratburn as the Pilgrim. Now he's kind of flexing his muscles a little bit with just doing normal Bionic Bunny because normally when he does Bionic Bunny, he's just like, have no fear. Like he's projecting to the back and now he's kind of having to pull back, pull it back at times. So it, it's getting, giving him a little bit more to do. So like Bionic Bunny and Arthur break into this files room. His, there's a great line here and it's all in the delivery from Arthur Holden of where Bionic Bunny says, sorry, if it doesn't involve flying, battling monsters or lifting heavy objects, I'm kind of at a loss. (laughs) No, all this stuff with Bionic Bunny as Arthur's imaginary friend, for lack of a better term, um, is really, really great and compelling. Um, And it acts as a really good through line for the episode, right? So we see, um, kind of to summarize, like Arthur tries and fails to kind of win Buster over or in his mind kind of uh, 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 break the spell of the brainwashing, as he calls it. Um, And these sequences where we kind of check in with a Bionic Buddy that pepper throughout the episode are really great. There's just so much creative stuff in them. Like, for instance, when they're sneaking into the reality TV headquarters, there's a security guard, but he's got, like, a TV for a head, but he also still mm-hmm. has, like, Arthur-style animal ears. Um, like, and they're just so creative and unique. Yes, you're right. And and the idea itself as well. And we get to see uh, Bionic Bunny just kind of disguised as Wilbur Rabbit. So Arthur tries to win Buster back over. He asks him to go to a five movie marathon of the Bionic Bunny movies. And again, Buster is just kind of not really interested in Bionic Bunny anymore, which is, again, like kind of like in the episode where we talked about how. You know, Nadine mentioned mm. that she's not going to be DW's imaginary friend forever. This feels like a big change to Buster's character. That I agree. I'm 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 doubtful that it will kind of be recognized outside of this. But this really feels like a sign that Buster is growing up in a sense of just like and and it happens all the time when you're growing up. It's just you grow out of stuff that you feel like you're too old for. And Buster's main complaint is that he doesn't like bionic bunny because it isn't real. Like when they're at the movie, he's just like, well, you can't plug up a volcano with an asteroid. And unfortunately he's being a little pedantic about it. A little bit annoying of just like, well, actually, well, actually in real yeah. life, you wouldn't be able to do this. And just like, ah, well, Buster's only a kid, but, uh, and he feels what he feels, but hopefully he doesn't stick around with that. In fact, it's awful strange that Buster's saying that you can't do this and you can't do that, but he's the one who genuinely believes in aliens, but whatever. So, uh, Buster, uh, ends up having to bail on the movies, even though Arthur paid for all of the candy and popcorn he could eat because he needs to get an update on Top Supermarket Clerk. But uh, Arthur at this point is really frustrated. He even wears his Bionic Bunny stuff to school, but doesn't end up sitting with Buster. Uh, he kind of t- mentions to Brain that Buster has been taken in by reality TV. <laughs> There's a moment here where Brain, of course, like the killjoy he is, says that, well, you know that reality show isn't real. They actually write it. And then as soon as Brain says that, Arthur sprints over to Buster's table as being like, hey, Brain just told me that reality TV isn't real, so you don't have to like it anymore. It's just as real as Bionic Bunny. So now you like Bionic Bunny, right? It's just immediately yeah. trying to spoil Buster's fun. It's true. And it's one of the reasons I actually like that we keep checking in with uh, like Bionic Bunny with these dream sequences is that so far through this episode, I mean, Buster's being annoying, too, because he's pulling his like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Well, actually, that's not how the volcano would work. But Arthur is also being annoying. He's like failing uh, to follow the doctrine of of hashtag let people enjoy things Uh, (laughs) like he's he's got the energy of someone who like when the Super Bowl is on uh, is tweeting about the Uh, superb owl and. 
or sports sports ball. ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like uh, Arthur um, has kind of internalized this whole thing where Buster he thinks that Buster not liking Bionic Bunny means that Buster doesn't like him anymore. Um, but he's just doing it in the most annoying way possible, where he's just like desperate for Buster to not like this reality TV show and like Bionic Bunny again. And that comes through in this sequence where he's like, "Well, you don't have to like it anymore because uh, Bray told me it's not real." Well, yeah, and this, I mean, there's only a few minutes left in this episode at this point, and I was just like, so where are we going with this? Because, like you said, they're both kind of not being great, but I would say Arthur's more in the wrong than not. Yes. And and I was assuming that, like, okay, by the end of the episode, you know, Buster's going to come back around and like Bionic Bunny again, but it didn't seem like it was going that way, and in the end, it kind of doesn't. So, again, talking to Bionic Bunny in his imagination, Arthur gets the idea to go undercover and watch the show and pretend that he loves it, and then that way, somehow, he'll be able to break Buster of the uh, of the mind control that the reality TV has over him. It reminded me of the plot point in one of the Community Christmas episodes about uh, even though Troy is a Jehovah's Witness, he becomes a... Uh, he pretends to love Christmas so that he can uh, be closer to Abed and take it da- take down Christmas from the inside, which is really just a ploy for him to enjoy Christmas. Uh, so DW gives Arthur a crash course in top supermarket clerk, which is kind of a funny montage of just uh, her with the chart of who everybody is and what their names are yeah you can, you can tell the writers got had a really fun time with creating top supermarket clerk and all the characters like there's like a mm-hmm. white guy with dreads and top super supermarket clerk everybody looks so early 2000s like reality show like real world uh, I, I feel like even if they don't i feel like there's a character with a puka shell necklace even if they don't have a puka shell <laughs> necklace they definitely have puka shell jeff, necklace energy the guy with the sunglasses jeff has the vibe of a puka shell necklace necklace guy exactly and and yeah one guy just looks like Brock Lesnar and um, you could just tell that the writers were having fun with putting together top supermarket clerk uh, and and they really go to that well and, and make good use of it in this episode so Arthur goes through this crash course and he feels like he's ready they all watch the new episode of top supermarket clerk that evening with Buster at the Reed house uh, Buster asks he's like hey Arthur who's your favorite character and Arthur looks behind him and DW mouths Lucy <laughs> so he's able to say Lucy. Um, Arthur tries and he tries, but eventually he fall he falls asleep. In fact, he falls asleep really quickly because he wakes up and the show's over. And he said, "What did I miss?" And Buster says, "The entire episode." In Arthur's defense, the Top Supermarket Clerk, the show looks kind of boring. Like it doesn't look like a particularly good reality show. Like Arthur falls asleep while somebody is being checked through, and one of the characters is just being courteous and i'm like okay this isn't really all that interesting so uh i kind of see where arthur's coming from um and then it kind of comes out from there is that when buster's getting ready to leave arthur is saying that he's afraid that because buster doesn't like bionic bunny anymore that they'll have nothing in common in fact we get this exchange and i was like i thought they were going to end the episode for a second because um (laughs) arthur says if we don't like the same shows what will we have in common And Buster says, oh, I guess we're not best friends anymore. And there's like 30 seconds left in in the episode. And I was like, what are we, what's going on here? But then eventually they just, they, they just sneak the moral of the episode under the door when they discovered that they actually like, like the same, they still like the same things. Like Buster returns a Henry Screever comic book to Arthur. It's just like, oh yeah, they still like that. And they both still like to play baseball and go swimming and all this stuff. Yeah. Ride bikes. 
Right. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, I guess we are still best friends. I'm like, that's what that was? <laughs> okay. And then the fi- and then the final imagination with Bionic Bunny is uh, Arthur sitting down with Bionic Bunny to watch Top Supermarket Clerk with uh, Bionic Bunny ending the episode by saying, oh, that Dominic. <laughs> because Dominic is like the screw up of the cast. And everybody's kind of saying how much he sucks. Yeah, that's the other thing I liked throughout this episode is you get like these little pieces of like how everyone feels about the characters of everybody's got a take on top supermarket clerk. Like I think it's DW talking about like there's a part where they're like announcing who's getting checked out and DW and Arthur's mom are like, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Like, <laughs> like they really want Jeff to leave. And yeah, Dominic is always drawing the ire of Jeff and his fellow clerks. Um, yeah, so that's the end of the episode. Lucas, let's go back to Francine's pilfered paper. How did this one uh, strike you? So Francine's fil- per- pilfered paper, it's kind of a tongue twister. Well, say, th- say that five yeah. times fast. Um, I actually liked it. Now, it's a little after school specially for my take. Like, I, I, I always like it when mm-hmm. Arthur is nuanced. And, you know, the moral of the story is something a little bit better than like, like, uh, don't plagiarize is essentially the adult version of like stealing is wrong, right? It, 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 it comes off as a little like saved by the bell for my taste. But I will say that even when Arthur kind of dips into that territory, uh, this is a good one of those. And that they, they kind of, I, I really was entertained by the episode despite it being so kind of after school specially. I think all the Pilgrim stuff was fun. Um, I You said it yourself, a lot of Mr. Rappern in this episode. And I feel like it's been a while since we've seen some of Mr. Rappard's character loved uh, the part where Francine visits him at home and his crazy study with all his books. We get to see what books he was reading when Francine's trying to come up with the name of the paper she was citing quick on the wall. Um, and I, I think it's a good Francine episode, too, of Francine kind of coming to terms with the fact that she's wrought with guilt over this paper. And then at the end, she's kind of proud uh, that she came up with it herself. Again, the end is a little too sugary sweet for my liking and her kind of looking into the camera and being like, yeah, it might be a B but it's my B like that's a little too safe by the bell for my taste uh, right. but in spite of that I enjoyed the episode I was entertained by it what did you think Will? I've just found it very interesting that this was something that Arthur was getting around to mm-hmm. I mean of course we're into season 11 so it's just like we kind of talked about like all the typical things that a lot of like cartoons and kids shows talk about so now we're getting into like a, l- a little bit more granular with plagiarism which I think is cool that they talked about it but it was also just a little bit out of nowhere um, all the same though I think they did a fine job of explaining why it's bad and why you should avoid it. I find it interesting that you uh, you compared it to like a, an after school special. I don't know if I got that same vibe, but I, I see where you're coming from. It's the, because the message of the episode is put so plainly out there, but they illustrated it in a way that I thought was fairly accessible mm-hmm. to kids. I mean, I hope that there were, there weren't any kids who were like confused by this, but it's kind of a good thing to kind of, but to keep in mind as one goes forward in their education. And they managed to put some kind of interesting stuff around it. Like Francine's dream. Um, oh some yeah. Of the that jokes part's and, great. Some of the jokes in here were really funny. Like you said, the background details, the fashion. Uh, so it was a very interesting looking episode, if nothing else. So I thought it was I thought it was pretty good, and I found it I found it admirable that they even tried to tackle this issue at all. So that was kind of cool. I was actually not all that high on Buster Gets Real when I watched it the first time, and a lot of that had to do with how kind of 
last minute the idea behind the episode scene because it was like I didn't know where it was going for a long mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. Um, it was really at the end where it's I know that the whole thing is like Arthur feels insecure that you know Buster's kind of growing away from him in a sense and they might not be best friends anymore but then at the end it's just like oh yeah we, we also like other things so we're fine it's just like okay but like it just seems common sense that you would have thought of that before so it seemed it seemed like a little strange that arthur didn't even consider that and that we had to blow this up into a whole thing then of course there wouldn't be an episode so i get that um but in talking about it i think i appreciate you you made a great point about how they really did their thinking on top supermarket clerk and making it uh a, almost a fully fleshed out reality show in and of itself and i really appreciate the effort that went into that they had to think of the characters names like you said their appearances the drama that they're on the show they had to give it a reason like they weren't just creating like just a bad show they were creating a reality show and it's not that it's bad or good it's just that arthur doesn't like it and buster does so they had to create something that was indicative of the reality shows at the time and i think they did a really good job and it was fun to talk about and think about as we just did as an episode itself I mean, it's kind of the it's kind of the the quote unquote moral that lets me down. You also made some really good points about how visually interesting the Bionic Bunny um, cutaways are, and I think that does go for something. But in the end, it's you know I I guess the last thing I'll say is that I guess with shows like this where I know that the status quo won't change very much, I don't appreciate getting hints that it could mm. you know, I mentioned before I mentioned before that it's like this seems like a real character change for Buster and I know that it won't be so it won't surprise me like a season or so from now when Buster's st- like as big of a bionic bunny fan as he's ever been and we just will kind of forget about this but it's just like it would be kind of interesting you know to have the character grow in this way but I, I know that they kind of can't and that's not the sort of episode they're telling so I found the conflict interesting and a little confusing, if that makes sense. And they wrapped it up really quickly, which I didn't really find satisfactory. But the episode around it and all the kind of details I thought were really well done and creative. So there was at least that. So, yeah, I kind of, I'm kind of end up in the middle on it. Well, I'm glad you brought up the fact that it was really interesting when we thought that Buster was going to permanently change. And I'm also kind of mad at myself in that. Uh, I'm not expecting that from Arthur at all. The one of the jokes of the show is it's just like the Simpsons. They're always going to be in third grade. They're always going to be of these course. these static yeah. characters because kids age out of Arthur and then everything is new for them again, right? So we're watching this show in a way that it was never intended to be watched, which is um, week to week over a course of years and years and years. So we're starting to get to the point where you know me and you have levied these criticisms against Arthur, where it's like, oh, you know, this episode's kind of like an episode they've done before. Before and and in reality, it's a little bit of an unfair criticism because that's not the way the show's intended to be watched. With that all being said, it it almost hurts in terms of for our purposes at this show when they tease us with something like this where it feels like a character is going to change because for us you know me and you have been watching this show in this weird way 
it's it's so cool when we feel like oh my goodness this is crazy like an actual change like these characters are growing and changing we've been watching these characters and arthur for so long you know for me and you it's been um even more than we've been doing this show we've been doing this show for years uh but we've been following these characters for even longer and so i i i'm almost i feel guilty how compelling i find the idea of like yeah what if buster did grow out of bionic buddy and and that was like a permanent thing and and his character grew and changed what if dw actually did kind of grow out of nadine and and we could there's so many interesting episodes you could do about that um but that's just kind of us being selfish right and wanting the show to be something it's not so i try not to lament it too much for that but i totally felt the exact same way uh that you were feeling where it's like oh this would be this would be so cool for us um if 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 the characters could grow and change yeah yeah the grown men who are binge watching arthur so it's like i'm the only two on the planet (laughs) i I would be foolish to yeah hold them to that to that standard but it's also just like i don't know like hinting at growth that will never come feels a little bit disingenuous but like i said i don't think that that's a standard that this show should be held to so it's kind of a moot point I also felt the same way about you where this episode almost didn't work for me uh, for a slightly different reason in that I felt both I mostly Arthur was just like annoying uh, uh, super annoying to me throughout the majority of the episode I was feeling like he was being really brutal and the idea of like not being friends with one of your friends because they kind of grow out of a show you like uh, I was like oh this doesn't work but I actually kind of in a way this is a little bit of me projecting, I think, my head cannon onto it, but I kind of like the sure. way it it, it, end, it ended. If you read it as instead of being like, oh, you know, we don't have this in common, but we have all these other things in common. I think a more nuanced moral or a more nuanced reading of the episode is that, you know, it's the quality of your friend's character that's important, right? That's what, what makes true mm-hmm. friendship. It, you know, you could be into completely different things. And I, I think sometimes, you know, adults uh, will put a over importance on on shared hobbies whether that be in relationships or whether that be in your interpersonal friendships but at the end of the day sure. you know it's it's what's in your friend's heart that's important and i i i i think they they failed with the landing on that because they kind of yeah. they, they have that realization by listing all the things that they do all the time um but i i think that you know if that's what you take away from the episode it's kind of sweet in a way and you're like oh you know what i think arthur's excused for being so terrible this whole episode because that was all in service of him kind of lo- learning this lesson and learning that, yeah. like, you know, it, it's, it's about kind of this friendship. That all aside, um, so I, 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 I do think it's weird and I, I totally um, – everything you pointed out, I was also feeling as well. But I will say that everything else in this episode I loved. Like, I, I love the fake reality show and how it's this kind of, like, meta layer that we keep checking in with throughout the episode. I, I adored – this is some of my favorite fantasy sequences they've done yet in this season is this Biotic Buddy stuff. Um, what they've done with the Biotic – I always kind of found Biotic Buddy to be, like, kind of a boring joke. Like, the whole thing is right. just that he's, like, super mad. He's, he's a Boy Scout. He's like, oh, I'm Biotic Buddy. This more kind of uh, uh, meta – uh, like joking uh, down to earth biotic buddy, I think is really interesting. And I, I hope we see more of this, this kind of like imaginary friend biotic buddy, because it's a good character for, for Arthur to bounce off of. Imagine how much more annoying this episode would be if it didn't have this stuff. And it was just Arthur's internal monologue whining about his friend not being into biotic buddy. So I think this yeah. stuff really saves the episode. Um, and I think 
kind of greater than the sum of its parts. I, I think all of this combined made this episode really memorable uh, and really interesting to me. And I think that's kind of ex- exemplified by how much we've been talking about it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, in the end, um, clunkiness aside, I actually ended up liking Buster Gets Real. Uh, yeah, no, that's basically that's basically my thoughts. Right on. I mean, I think that if the episode had stuck the landing, like like within the way that you mentioned, then I probably wouldn't dis. I, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have as much misgivings about it. But they didn't, so eh, there you can't get them all, I suppose. And of course, we'll be back with another Arthur episode very soon. And because there's always one around the corner, that's that's the perfect thing. Is that if one didn't work for us, then we can always try the next one. And we'll be, we will be back with that very soon. Now, our patrons will be hearing for us in a week's time. It is it is uh, now time on for the kids for another episode poll. So, patrons, make sure that you go to Patreon.com/slash/ElwoodCityLimits and vote in the new. Uh, for the kids poll that will decide our next episode. We have four options to choose from. We've got Molly of Denali, Xavier Riddle, The Big Comfy Couch, and Odd Squad. There are two that are in the lead right now. Which two? Well, you'll have to be a patron to find out. And uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff to come as well. Um, keeping my eye on the, on Monster Hunter yes, in the theaters. Yes. You know, it, it, we're, you know, we don't have we're running out of road with season eleven, and uh, we're gonna have to figure out what to cover in that off week where it's you know the season eleven recap and everything. So that might just be time for another ECL movie review. Anyway, that's kind of we're kind of playing a little fast and loose. We'll see how that goes. For now, make sure you patrons vote. You have until midnight on Sunday, March 7th to vote in that poll, and uh, you can have a say in what our next episode of For the Kids will be. And you on the free feed, you'll hear a preview of that episode next week. And then two weeks from now, we'll be back with another episode of Arthur, the second last of season 11. We are talking about DW on Ice and Spoiled Rotten. So we'll have to find out exactly what's going on in those two. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Elwood City Limits. We really appreciate you, your uh, your listening, your attention, your emails, your feedback, everything. We appreciate that you are here and interacting with us because it's fun. I mean, this is it's just fun to do. My name is Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Five pages? How will I ever write five pages? This must be what college is like, except we still have to be in bed by nine and we can't drive. I'm glad you remembered that. That was a good line, too. (laughs) We'll see you next time.